This is Matt. I'm the lead pastor at Westminster Baptist Church. Thanks for engaging God's word with us. My prayer for you is that this would be supplemental to your discipleship journey. Uh, If we can connect you with a local church or discipleship group, uh, please contact us at info at discoverwbc.com. Well, it's good to be in the house of the Lord, right? Yeah. So I hope everyone's enjoying the marriage series we're in right now. Um, Michelle and I have enjoyed it. I just tell you. So I told the story in the first service. Came home after the uh, first Sunday we did this, and I, I was the one to put the packet together. So I get home, and Michelle's uh, I'm like, hey, you know, how, how are things today? And she's like, I got the marriage packet. What are we doing? I go, oh, yeah, I guess that's for us too, isn't it? And she goes, yes. So anyway, <laughs> we, we've had a blast. We've gone on lots of dates, spent good intentional time together, and uh, yeah, just, just having a good time. And I hope you all are too. So you're going to hear me say that word intentional quite often today. You know, you need to be intentional with your walk with the Lord, but you also need to be intentional with your spouse. And... Um, but we're gonna, we'll talk more about that today. So, um, so when I when I say love and like a couple who loves each other, think of a couple in your mind. Like maybe it's like your grandparents, maybe it's your parents. Think of a couple. You got that couple in your mind? So can we pull up the picture that I have, if you don't mind? So this is my folks. This is, uh, they are both with the Lord right now. My dad died uh, 2010. Mom passed away 2018, I think. Um, so I, I kind of always had them as kind of my bar. And I remember saying to my dad one time, you know, I'm like, man, you and mom, you guys love each other so well. You loved me and my brother well. And uh, my dad literally said to me, if we're your bar, you got your bar set too low. And I remember saying, what do you mean? And this is, you know, younger age. He said, well, Jesus Christ should be your bar. He goes, because your mom and I were flawed. You may not see all the flaws behind, you know, that happen behind the scenes, but we are flawed. Our love for each other is flawed. We're broken. We're sinners, you know, saved by grace, but we still struggle with that sin. So um, the other reason I did this is, so if you're struggling with grief, so for those of you that don't know, I am the biblical counseling pastor here, so I oversee the biblical counseling ministry. But so if you're struggling with grief, if you've got just hurt and pain in your life, one of the things that I say to people that come to me that struggle with grief or at a funeral, I will often say, continue to tell the stories of those that have gone. So you will hear me often. I will refer to my parents. I learned a lot from them. Um, so it's one of also my way of uh, honoring their memory of what they did, uh, left a legacy of, uh, of my brother and I uh, behind. So um, Pastor Matt uh, started off the series with talking about um, delighting and being satisfied with your spouse. He talked a lot about biblical expectations. And then Pastor Glenn last week did such a great job, talked about building trust through intentional, with uh, being time with each other, um, caring for each other, just some really good things. So today we're moving on to what does it look like to build a relationship of love? And then how do you protect that relationship? So that's, that's what we're going to do today. So while I'm talking about a couple things, if you want to, we're going to be in 1 John 4, if you'd like to turn there in your Bibles. So we need to have marriages and relationships that continually show love to each other and are willing to work at it. 
that idea of being intentional, building a relationship of love, and we need to protect our marriages and our spouses no matter what. No matter what gets in the way, we will protect it. I think it's Under Armour that does that uh, protect this house or whatever. That's the, that's, I'm a visual guy. That's kind of the visual that came up in my head. We will protect this house. So, and I would say, I will protect my marriage. I will do everything in my power to protect my marriage. Also, one other thing, and I think it's a mistake sometimes that us as pastors do, we don't give credit where credit is due. I want to give credit to Paul Tripp. So a lot of the things that I'm going to talk about, um, not exactly his words, but learned a lot. Pastor Glenn, myself, and Pastor Matt are reading, uh, have read through the book Marriage by Paul Tripp, and just a really wonderful book. It's on the resource page that we gave you all in your marriage packet. Definitely a book I would, I would highly, highly recommend, and I quote him often. I will try to make sure I mention his name, because I don't want to plagiarize, but uh, I wanted to give him the credit. So, um, yeah, so let's move on to 1 John 4, and we're going to do verses 7 through 21. Dear friends, let us love one another, because love is from God, and everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, because God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent His one and only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. Love consists in this, not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the atoning sacrifice to our sins. Dear friends, if God loved us in this way, we must also love one another. Let me say that verse one more time because I think it's a powerful, powerful and very important verse. Dear dear friends, if God loved us in this way, we must also love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God remains in us and His love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we remain in Him and He in us. He has given us... uh, He has given us of His Holy Spirit. And we have seen Him, and we testify that the Father has sent His Son as the world's Savior. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God remains in Him, and He in God. And we have come to know and to believe that the love God has for us, God is love, and the one who remains in in love remains in God, and God remains in Him. In this, love is made complete with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment because as He is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear. Let me say this again. There is no fear. Instead, perfect love drives out fear because fear involves punishment. So no one who fears is not complete in love. So, so I'm sorry. So the one who fears is not complete in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, and yet hates his brother or sister, he is a liar. For the person who does not love his brother or sister whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. In our last verse. And we have this command from him. The one who loves God must also love his brother and sister. So again, we're going to look at this idea of a relationship of love and protecting that relationship. Our definition cannot come from this world. 
I will say this probably till the day I die. It is amazing to me, including me, I'm just like everybody else here. We are constantly looking to the outside world to find our definitions of things. And truthfully, folks, plain and simple, it is Scripture that gives us our definition. So in this case, the greatest definition is what, what, what we see Jesus do. As Paul Tripp said, it is uh, not words how we define love, but we actually can see it by an event. The greatest event that has ever taken place on this earth, and that is when Jesus came here. The perfect picture of love. The absolute perfect picture of love. Now, if you got some time today before you sit down and watch whatever game you're going to watch... My commanders don't play till four, so I'm good. I know. I know. We have a new owner. I'm happy as could be. Um, if you want to see something crazy, Google definition love and look at all the absolutely absurd definitions of love. And I'm telling you, unless you're going to get a biblical definition, they're all just completely different than what we see Jesus do. What John is teaching us is that if God loved us in this way, the same way we are called to love others. So we see this example of what Jesus did. We are called to do the same. But folks, the problem is, I'm simply put, we are still sinners. We are sinners saved by grace. Praise the Lord for that. But we still struggle with our flesh. We still struggle with sinful desires. And we will fail. I will fail Michelle. I know it's hard to believe. It's hard to believe. I went through seminary. I was perfected, right? Absolutely not. I asked, Michelle said, hey, so what are you preaching on? And I said, and by the way, what I'm preaching on, I'm not going to call you up because I don't want you to tell them all the bad, bad things I do. No. But we will fail our spouse. We will do it even when we try not to. We will fail our spouse. Now, so let me, I want you to hang with me here. I'm going to stretch you a little bit. So I'm going to define the way the world defines love. We're going to call it fake love. We're going to call it fake love. And we're going to look at three areas. And it's not that the three areas are bad areas. But the problem is we put too much weight in these areas. So we're going to look at physical, physical attraction. Those of us who are married, uh, just raise your hand. If you're married, raise your hand, right? Look at that. A lot of, lot of married couples in here. A lot of soon-to-be married couples in here too, right? So I would say, generally speaking, we saw our spouse from across a crowded room. <laughs> and we, they had eyes that lit up like the sky, right? And we were just like, ah. Physical attraction. Nothing wrong with physical attraction whatsoever. Nothing at all. But I hate to tell you, folks, when you get out of your 20s, move into your 30s, then your 40s and your 50s, it starts to decrease. <laughs> As I said, you want to see what a fallen world looks like? Look in the mirror. Okay? These are just our earthly shells. They fall apart. And if you are focusing all of your love based on that attraction, I know it's going to sound silly, but you're going to be looking for somebody else in another five or six years. Physical attraction, God-given. I say to my wife, 
He gave you curves in all the right places on purpose. Okay? We love to love the other person from a physical attraction standpoint. It's a beautiful thing, but it cannot be our primary focus. Number two, the emotional connection. We all look to have an emotional connection with people. We look for it in our friends. We look for it in our community groups. We look for it in church. Most people that walk into church, they're looking for some type of community, some type of connection, not just with the Lord, but with other people. We want that emotional connection. I thank the Lord. I have that emotional connection with my wife. But here's the mistake we make. We can have emotional connections with our friends. It has nothing to do with our spouse. We can have similar emotional connections with our friends. A couple of my buddies, we probably sometimes have more things in common than Michelle and I do sometimes. I told the story earlier. My wife likes a scrapbook. I took her on a scrapbooking weekend. I don't know anything about scrapbooking. But I did it because I didn't love scrapbooking. I love being with my wife. That's what's different. We got, we got to be careful of putting physical attraction, emotional connection as kind of the forefront. Let me give you the third one. Spiritual unity. Every parent in here goes, want to get my kids to church so they meet uh, you know, a, a girl or a guy who's a believer just like them. That's what I'm looking for. Amen. It's good. But it's not the only thing. We, we like, like, uh, like you think about it, like you want to be married to like a good theologian. We're going to talk scripture. We're going to unpack things. Well, I'm going to point Paul. I do that with Paul. You with me? But my relationship with Paul is very different than my relationship with, wife, with Michelle. And I'm not saying that to be funny. I really do mean it. It's different. And I love Paul. But it's different, okay? If we put our hope in those three things, that's fake love. And here's why. Now, I'm not trying to convict you of anything. This is very convicting for myself. So it comes to you all through my own conviction here. We love ourselves so much that we love others based on how they make us feel, what they bring to the relationship, and where they fit into our plans. This is what is called self-love, which is not love at all. And we need to be open to the possibility that we love others based on what they bring to the table. That's why I'm telling you those three things, physical, emotional, and spiritual. They are part of marriage, folks. They are an important part of marriage. But we have to make sure those things are not that we uh, love what our spouse does for us than who they are. So I shared this in all the services. I, I'm just being vulnerable with you, showing you how, again, even though they, we are shepherds, we still screw up. A few years ago, I wrote Michelle a love letter. And I went back and read that letter. And I noticed that in that letter, everything that I wrote about that I loved about her were things that she had done for me or was doing for me. And I was like, oh my gosh, it's the definition of self-love. Instead of loving her for who she is, how God made her, I started to get, uh, we'll say, attracted to the things like, well, she makes me feel good when she does this or she does... 
That's not, that's not love, folks. There is nothing in 1 John 4, and there is nothing in Scripture that says the reason Jesus loves us is because of all the things we do for Him. He loved us when we were low-down, dirty sinners, when we were separated from Him, when, I like to use the word, when we were unlovable in His eyes. Not that He's saying that, but it's the way we see it, right? He came and died for us. We all struggle with this, and it's something we need to be very, very careful of. So let's go back to 1 John 4. Paul Tripp defines what we see in 1 John 4 as this. His definition is, I think, fantastic, so I'm just going to read it word for word. Love is willing self-sacrifice for the good of another that does not require reciprocation or that the person being loved is deserving. That is what Jesus did for us. Everything we've talked about up, in, up until this point, and this is the mistake we make in marriage, me, 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 me. Not you, 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 you. Nowhere in this passage do we see that God has defined love this way. We first learn that, that love comes from God. Folks, we can't even take credit that we developed love. That's humbling all in itself. He loved us first. God revealed that love to us by sacrificing His Son. And He did it for us. Again, the unlovable, the defiant, and we were against Him. The love we see in 1 John shows us that this love calls us to give up our lives for another. It wants what's best for the other person. Real love is not motivated by what's in it for me. Let me say it again. Real love is not motivated by what's in it for me. And that is hard for us at times. As verse 18 teaches us, there is no fear in love. Instead, perfect love drives out fear. Let me say this. I don't know what you're going through in your marriage, but there should be no fear in a marriage relationship. The love we show each other should drive any fear and insecurity out of the relationship. It shouldn't create more. Just as Jesus' love does that same for us. The love that Jesus shows us, that the word love is an action word. Jesus shows us that that word love is an action word. We have to make sure we are doing the same in our relationships. Again, Jesus shows us what love is. He is love. So does your marriage demonstrate self-love, the world's way of loving, or is it a sacrificial love? So here's what a marriage looks like when we love our spouse like Jesus does. So I'm just going to kind of give you a list of things to just kind of mull around. We put the needs of our spouse over our own with a warm and tender heart. We put the needs of our spouse above us with a warm and tender heart. Not a, are you kidding me? I just sat down to watch, right? A warm and tender heart. We look for ways to encourage, edify, and praise our spouse instead of being critical and judgmental. We want what's best for our spouse. We put our spouse's dreams and desires above our own. We speak truth and love to our spouse when it might be uncomfortable. I think one of the, I would say top five things that I've heard 
being a marriage counselor for so long is, well, I, I wanted to say that, but I was afraid if I said that my wife would be mad at me or my husband would be mad at me. Well, one, you're probably not saying it correctly. Two, you probably struggle with some type of conflict in your marriage and you probably need to work through that. But it's important to speak truth in love. Truth in love to your spouse. We'll talk a little bit about that in protection in a second. We need to stop playing the blame game. We need to control how we react and stop concerning ourselves with their reactions. I will often hear, well, I reacted that way because she reacted that way. What are you, eight years old? I mean, and let me make clear, I'm preaching in the choir right here. I mean, I get it. So we need to be careful in how we react. We need to strive to understand our spouse. I've, I've heard multiple, multiple marriage speakers say the idea of um, studying our spouse for the rest of our lives. It's so true. I understand Michelle a lot better 20, almost 28 years later than I did when I met her. And hopefully, if the Lord keeps me here, another 28 years, I'll know 28 years more of stuff about her. So as we're talking about this, I think that one of the main things that we also have to do is we need to create in our relationship an environment of forgiveness and grace. I will screw up. You all will screw up. We screw up in our relationships, not even our marriages. We screw up in all types of relationships because we're sinners. So we need to have a, an, um, an environment of forgiveness and grace. So let's look at 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7. And I'm going to read through this slowly because I want you to think about it through the eyes of what Jesus did on the cross and the perfect example of love. I just want you to listen to these words, and I'll kind of do it slow for you too. Love is patient. It is kind. It does not envy. It is not boastful. It is not arrogant. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. Love is not irritable. And it does not keep a record of wrongs. Love finds no joy in unrighteousness, but rejoices in truth. It bears all things. Let me say it again. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. It does not say love is sarcastic. That love is demeaning. That love is impatient. Right? It does not say that. It says... Just these wonderful, beautiful things. Like it's like one of the ways that we can show love to each other is being patient with each other, being kind. It's just it's wonderful. But here's the thing that I think that's so important to understand. Love means giving up your autonomy. Think about what Jesus did. He gave up perfect setting, right? To come down here and be in the mud, the dirt all the, as I would say, the drama of life. He gave all of that up to come down here and be with us. 
If he can do that, we should be able to give up our own autonomy too. But I'm telling you folks, I think one of the keys to all of this is it starts with your walk with the Lord. It starts with your walk with God. Do you love the Lord? It's hard to love others, as Scripture teaches us, when we don't have the love of, of, of God in us. Now, good stuff about love. A lot of things to think about. And again, many more passages and Scripture to look at about love. But we kind of have to move on just from a time standpoint. So let's look at protection. We're going to end with this idea of protection. Protection starts with knowing and trusting that God will protect you, your spouse, and your marriage. Let me say that again. It starts with knowing that the God of the universe, the God who created all things, is protecting you right now. What he's protecting you from? Maybe some things you don't even realize. But he is the great protector. So Psalm 91.4 says this. The one who lives under the protection of the Most High dwells in the shadow of the, of the Almighty. I will say concerning the Lord who is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust, He Himself will rescue you from the bird trap, from the destructive plague. He will cover you with His feathers. You will take refuge under His wings. His, faithful, his faithfulness will be a protective shield. So let's look at this. So what does it look like to protect your spouse? Well, here's what it doesn't look like. One of the things, don't tear your spouse down in front of others. Don't talk about your spouse behind his or her back. Don't air your dirty laundry to, your, to, uh, to others. Don't bash, I've heard this one multiple times, don't bash your spouse to your kids. And especially for some of those families that have separated or gotten a divorce, you have to be so very, very careful not to bash your spouse to your kids. Don't discuss what happens in the bedroom. I'm always surprised. I'm, I'm 55. I've heard guys, and I cringe every time, talking about what happens in the bedroom about their spouse like they're bragging. It absolutely should not happen. That is not protecting your spouse. Don't speak words that crush and hurt. Speak words that encourage, edify, and equip. And if you want some more reading on that, uh, just dive into Proverbs. I'll tell you, Proverbs 10, 11, 12. Boy, you dive into those. There's so much about our words, how they crush, they hurt. We need to speak words of edification and love to each other. Now, things you can do to protect your spouse. Pray for them. Encourage them. Look out for them. Watch over them. I use this example. My dad taught me early on, um, and maybe some old school guys in here. Dad always told me if you're walking down the sidewalk, you walk with your body in between them and the car. So if the cars are coming this way, Michelle would walk over here. I, I know it's, it's just simple stuff, but it's ways to show Michelle that I'm thinking of her, that I want to protect her, and I want to honor her well. It's those little things that show that protection. And lastly, in protecting your spouse, be an advocate for your spouse as Jesus is an advocate for you. So, you protected your spouse, now you've got to protect yourself. Don't give in to temptation. Again, some reading for you when you go home. Dive into 2 Samuel. Look at what happens to David when he falls into temptation. 
it goes south quick. Don't put yourself in uncompromising positions. Don't think that temptation and other things can't happen to you. You're not bulletproofed. Do walk humbly before the Lord. Walk, as uh, James 4.10 says, um, uh, uh, humble yourself before the Lord and He will lift you up. Like David, even though he failed, you need an accountability partner. You need somebody who's going to walk through life with you other than your spouse. Somebody that will tell you you're not as good as you think you are and you're not as bad as you think you are. So, so very important. And continue to confess your sin and bring uh, that sin from the dark to the light. And lastly, the protection of your marriage. If you are protecting your spouse, your heart is for protecting your spouse, and you are protecting yourself, you are on the right track to protect your marriage. Pray for each other. Pray together. Share your hurts and your pains with each other and be vulnerable. Other than God, you need to put your marriage first. I knew somebody that always had a date night on Friday nights. And they would, I'm telling you, I think they'd only give up a Friday night every once in a while, but they were always consistent on date night. And let me make it clear. I'm not saying that date night is going to solve all your problems. But I will say this. I have yet, and I think I've counted, I was looking through folders the other day. I think I've counseled probably about 150 to 175 marriages. I have yet to counsel a marriage that is uh, not, con- not uh, let me say it right. I've yet to counsel a marriage that is not dating on a regular basis. And I think when we're dating each other, it's showing the intentionality. It's showing the idea of I'm going to set aside time for my bride. She's going to set aside time for me. Very, very, very important. Protection, protecting your marriage means you love your spouse and your marriage above all things on this earth and you will not let anything come in and destroy what God has joined together. Back to the Under Armour, I will protect this house, right? Okay. So here's your gospel, con- uh, gospel responses as we wrap things up. So number one, this week, whether you do it today or this week, set some time aside to ask your spouse how you can love them better and don't be defensive by their response. I preached at the church I was at before, and uh, I preached on a marriage series, and um, somebody came up afterwards and was like, hey, that was a really great sermon. Hey, just curious, how's your marriage? And I went, man, it's great. We're doing awesome. Got home and said to Michelle, told her the story, and I was like, I mean, I told him, we're doing great. And she goes, are we really doing great? I said, what do you mean? And I got defensive. But I'm dead serious. I will remember this like it was yesterday. It's like the Holy Spirit went. And I sat there and listened. I was working two jobs at the time. I was in seminary. I was at, like, like she literally said, I, I feel like we're just passing ships in the, in the night. And it was a, and I mean this. Thank the Lord. It was a beautiful moment in our marriage because since then we have honestly, we have tried to be more and more intentional. But it happened by asking that kind of question. Number two, talk as a couple 
how you both can protect your marriage. I think it'd be a good conversation for you both to have together. Talk about how am I protecting you? Tell me, tell them, tell you, tell me how I'm protecting you well and tell me how I could protect you better. And third, and this might be the most important thing of all of them, is your marriage God-honoring or is it self-honoring? Gary Thomas in his book, Sacred Man, the line that he uses is, maybe your marriage was not meant to make you happy, maybe it was meant to make you holy. God did not just put our marriages together for us to be walking hand in hand. You know, uh, those that are getting married, Lord, Father, I just lift up this church to you, Father, that we would be leading God-honoring marriages, that they would not be self-seeking, they would not be demonstrations of self-love, but Father, that they would be demonstrations to the outside world of sacrificial love. Father, I thank you. I just thank you, Lord. Would we rejoice and be glad in it, Father. Thank you, Father, in your holy, precious name. Amen. You have any questions about the sermon or would like to know more about following after Jesus, uh, please contact us and we would love to talk more about your relationship with Christ and how you can grow in your spiritual journey.